BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the All world right, of wrestling. There we go. No, my bookie, right? No, oh, we're done with my bookie. We are completely right. done with my bookie until we're supposed to be paid right. by them. Yeah, sure. We'll see. Anyway, <laughs> all right, AB, it's you, Big Cat, and three, two, one. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be joined as always by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing about as well as I usually am. Like, I usually have like a witty catchphrase here. I've been at a six on the mental health meter, you know, for a while, even though Really, it's much less than a six, but that is a display of my mental health, the fact that I'm unwilling to just simply erase a part of the thermometer. But, you know, I'm trucking. Let's keep it that. How are you doing, A.B.? Doing okay. I'm uh, grappling with uh, my recent um, soda consumption. Sure. I've gotten really into root beer during quarantine or during COVID, I suppose. And uh, I've got, I'm drinking one one a day at this point. And, I, I drink uh, a pop a day. I understand that. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it's good for me. Uh, oh so. no, it's terrible for us. We're, we're, <laughs> we're drinking stuff that's tearing apart our insides, but we're, we have to find something to give us a little bit of right. life right now. Well, so. what I knew it was bad was last night after I ate dinner and drank a root beer with it. I thought I could really go for another root beer. Like, <laughs> 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 so, yeah, this is probably bad. Uh, we're also joined by Nate. Nate, what's your uh, what's your soda consumption? Well, so we did just discuss soda to open last week's show. I uh, just want oh, to throw sure. that out because I was was drinking a Seven Up. We talked about DNL for oh, I don't know twenty five minutes. Um, All right, well, let's keep. Yeah, no, I have. I was thinking the same exact thing today, actually, because I have been probably drinking a Seven Up a day since I bought you know one of the little packs, one of the one of the gimmicks. Um, and I was out, and I was thinking, oh, I should I should stop by Walgreens so I can get a cola. So that I can have some semblance of energy for this podcast recording and pretend like that there's any sort of internal, you know, uh, 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 combustion, combustion, any sort of internal combustion driving me forward. Um, but yeah, no, I was like, mm, really been drinking a lot of cola. Do think that it kind of makes me just a little more lethargic than I was when I was not drinking as much cola. 
So I, I didn't pick anything up. I'm drinking water. So that's where I'm at with the soda consumption. Wow. I'm really proud of you, Nate. I'm uh, I'm usually an all water, only water guy. And I've just, I've gone too far down this soda road. I really, I love beverages. That's the thing. We got, love a, a drink. We got Indian food at the office the other day. And I got, a, I think, a sweet lassie, which is some sort of salty yogurt beverage. Uh, um, was it just a normal lassie or was it a mango lassie? It was sweet. No, it was salty. I'm sorry. It was the salty lassie. Oh. Um, and, you know, my boss gave it to me. He's like, I know this is for Nate because he always gets the beverages. And I, I do. I love a beverage. I love a flavorful <laughs> drink, uh, an orange juice, uh, a tea, a coffee, um, that, you know, a craft soda. I love a flavored beverage. I, I'm a beverage guy myself, so I appreciate I don't know. it. You just said you're only a water guy usually. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You might be a beverage poser, not to come down on you too hard here. No, it's it it's seems just like, it seems like you're kind of trying to bite my beverage thing a little bit. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't mean to do that. It's it's just more I am that kidding. My whole thing is uh denying myself the uh the joys <laughs> that I that I might otherwise find in life. Okay. So I really like beverages, but I mostly uh, deny them um, because I hate myself, basically. <laughs> That's really mm. what it comes down to. I thought, okay, I thought it was going to be more like a, like, a, like a martyr complex where you're like really getting off on denying yourself. But it's actually just because you don't want to make yourself happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were just being like an aesthetic as like monastic choice. No, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to get too into like my actual mental illness on the show, but like, uh, I really uh, despise like the body that I live in, you know. Mm. And so it's like every time I drink a soda, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna hate myself more uh, if I if I do more of this. So that's really it. Uh, those they do are my taste good though. They taste really, really. Quick. They taste delicious. So it's it's just sugar, love sugar it. in there and flavors, and you're like, yeah, don't even have to chew. Does all the work for me. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, well, we did live in a. Did we ever live in an age where there were chewy pops? Like, I think that was something that was never a <laughs> construct. That, yeah. uh, that is gross, but also it's, it's boba tea. Boba tea? Yeah. I, oh, I haven't had a boba tea. You know, last match I had a boba tea? It was when we were in New York with Big Treat and we went oh, out for treats. That was nice. my last boba tea. I, I, I could really go for a boba tea right now. I will say that when I did the, uh, the Japanese, uh, candy gimmick lots of the uh the box the uh what's it called Nate? The, 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 uh, the japan crate that uh, japan I, believe, crate. I believe your wife bought for you as a gift I, for my something. mother actually bought oh, that for me okay. as a gift uh but a lot of a lot of cola flavored treats so a lot of colas you could chew mm. like hey, gummy cola, style treats yeah remember the remember those yeah. little gummies that were like oh, yeah, little the, coke cans those were good the wax one remember wild. like the wax you remember like the wax bottles that so you'd bite into it, it would have the juice inside and then you chew up the wax. And then if you were a total disaster kid, like I was, I swallowed it because I have my own self-loathing thing. I uh, don't remember like wax ones that weren't meant to be eaten, but I do believe. I mean, I just assumed all of them were like, I was like a goat, you know, <laughs> you, 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 oh, like I, 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 as a kid, I probably ate a good solid portion of a star kiss roll. Like including the rappers, like Ooh. Uh, uh, it, it's a wonder that I have made it to almost thirty-five. I only started caring about my body when I hit twenty. You know, I I gotta say I think opening with soda again worked. I mean, I think it I think it paid off. Honestly, I'm just I I appreciate that both of you overshare so much because then I just don't have to say anything. 
Yeah. No, no. I, I, helpful. I mean, I lead off with on the whiteboard behind me how bad I'm doing each time. I, yeah. I, I did get my own Japanese candy order that is going to be coming soon. Is that right? Did. did you did you get the Japan crate also? I think this is Segoy Mart, which oh, yeah, I think yeah. is same, same, same thing, same company. I think same thing. Uh, I'm a big Kit Kat boy. Love me oh, a Kit yeah. Kat. Well, so Japan, Japan is the place for you. Boy, howdy! Let me tell you about the three kinds of Kit Kats I have coming my way. <laughs> I have a matcha tiramisu that I mean, big matcha boy here, big tiramisu guy as well. Uh, sweetness for adults. This is like that pocky masculine thing that you were talking about a while back, Nate. This like is really mature. going against your never horny uh, <laughs> gimmick, Mike. Sweetness, sweetness for what? adults. Mm. Sweetness for adults. It's supposed to be like a white chocolate one, and then sparkling wine with strawberry, which is probably going to be pretty gross. But I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, they're they're all good. They're uh, all their flavored Kit Kats are good for sure. If you like. I mean, I know they just said this, but if you like matcha flavored things, again, Japan is the place for you. They had everything uh, was yeah. matcha flavored. I did. I posted that screenshot from the uh, new new season of Yuru Camp of just uh, matcha tiramisu and a matcha latte of some kind. It was just drooling. It's so good. America you, you're kind of you're kind of a Shima Ren, I would say. You're kind of the Shima Ren around here, I'd say. <laughs> Nate. Uh, okay, I'll take that. I do tire of most people after, you know, let's see, how long do these, these usually take? 90 minutes. I'll say two and a half hours. Two and a half hours <laughs> is about the maximum I can have any person. Yeah, and, in, and uh, we spent in, uh, 10 days time. together. <laughs> yeah, that was good. We did well. <laughs> yeah, we did do well. Um, yeah, we didn't like share a hotel room or anything. You know, no. So we could all we could all go our own way at times uh, don't get me started i've been listening to a lot of fleetwood mac lately Have you? i never got into fleetwood mac i like tusk yeah i like uh what's Lindsay buckingham's good solo song uh, they're all good first of all holiday <laughs> well there's okay, holiday so, yeah so i'm going through the rolling stone top 500 albums list from one to 500 and I came across Fleetwood Mac rumors, which like I knew some of the songs, but a buddy of mine, like maybe last year, told me to listen to it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. But then I went through it recently and I have become obsessed with it. I just think it's uh, amazing. And I just listen to it all the time now. I think I think this has sort of been sort of happening. I mean, obviously, it was a meme last year, but I think over the last five years, they've had a real uh, not that they weren't hugely popular in the first place. Yeah, that album sold 40 million copies. Yeah, that's a fair amount. <laughs> Holiday Road. That's the big yeah. one. Yeah. Hey, I, I feel like once every 20 years, Rubers gets a really big theme because remember uh, Bill Clinton's 92 election? He used uh, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. As, Indeed, I do. And his name. And Rumors, an all time album about everyone cheating on everyone else with people within the band. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. I watched the, uh, the Classic Albums episode about it. Are you guys Classic Albums fans? No, no clue. No clue. It's a, it's, it's a BBC series about they go into like the recording of folks, classic albums. And uh, it's pretty good. Big center there. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to read about classic <laughs> podcasts, go over to at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Uh, if it's the Apple Podcast app that you use, give us a five-star rating and a review over there. 
And if you want to support the show, the absolute 100% very best way to do so is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. All right, we will start the show. uh, I mean, we already started the show, but we will start the AEW portion of the show with elite or delete. Nate, I think this was a very well-received episode of Dynamite. The people who always add us to say, like, we're too negative. Not going to happen today, folks. I think we're all going to be very positive. So what was your favorite part of the show? Yeah, really good show. Pretty much enjoyed every part of it. Um, You know, one of those shows where I went into it after a long day of work and whatever bullshit on Twitter that was making me mad. Uh, And just like, oh, that was fucking fun to watch. It won me over. Not not the easiest thing to do. So, great show. I think, hmm, what did I really like on it? Should I have given this any thought beforehand? Um, <laughs> I guess probably the main the main event was probably my favorite thing. Uh, I It's very funny to me that the Good Brothers are just on this roster now. <laughs> it's like AEW's like, yeah, you know, we kind of wanted to sign them uh, when they were released and... Uh, they went and re-signed with the WWE, and uh, then they had some heat, and that now it's like that's been settled. And like, all right, well, now now we do want to have them, so we're just going to take them from Impact. Uh, that's funny to me. It's still fun and novel to see, you know, an, an Impact team here tagging with the Bucks. Um, talk about on the Patreon the Good Brothers appearance on the vlogs uh, and just the stupid shit that they do, uh, and they just brought that whole same energy to TV this week with. Uh, the big Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows swinging his belt dick and Carl Anderson like flopping his hands at it. Uh, Carl Anderson just amuses me. It, you know, I don't, whatever stupid bullshit he does is always going to make me crack a smile. Uh, and they had a really good match here against the Dark Order against four guys who were like, you know, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers five years ago or whatever were among the top talents in Japan. Uh, you know, it would be like a big deal if Ring of Honor brought in Carl Anderson to appear on a pay-per-view or something. People would be like, oh, hell yeah, Bullet Club's here. Uh, meanwhile, the Smash Brothers were like banned to Canada. Uh, and John Silver and Alex Reynolds were like, you know, grinding it out in the Northeast. Uh, but here they shared a main event. You know, they got in all their sweet spots. All these guys are experts of this style where, you know, uh, things come in and out of focus and you have everybody get their shit in and it all flows naturally from one thing into the other john silver did his uh you know cesaro jr hot tag to the entire bullet club uh Stu grayson did his cool reverse taekwondo kick or whatever that he learned when he was 10 years old uh it was just a joy to watch and watching like watching like luke gallows feed for Stu grayson is just so funny uh and it was a good match that's all it just was a good time and y'all know my number one goal whenever I watch any any programming is this, is am I going to have a good time? And let me tell you, this Atomico's main event was a great time for one Mike Spears. I was happy. Uh, John Silver, hot tag, you know. It, you know how much I love hot tags. Like a good hot tag where someone comes in house of fire and just blows shit up. And the, the, the fact that they need to eventually have like another... 12 or 14 man tag so john silver can just go do one insane spot to every person when he comes into the match where he goes around he starts in the ring and he goes outside of the ring and he goes around ringside and gets back into the ring like it, it's very much like family circus jeffy at its very best like seeing where he's going to go before he ends up there 
Doc Gallows is someone that is is Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows, Impact Doc, a great wrestler? I don't know. But is he someone that when he pops up, I just am amused and I'm just like, all right, Gallows, because he will find just dumbest things to pop me like like backstage with uh, the whole what was that line he said he called Don Callis like the Donaconda, Donaconda, the Donaconda, like stuff like that. It just was a great time. And it was something that on a match that could have gone to a bad place or could have been like an absolute mess. Instead, he had like the best idea for like these styles of matches where if you're not doing an elimination match, then you have to build up to ebbs and flows and crescendos and like the perfect crescendo happened right before the finish as you should have in these six man, eight man, 10 man, however people many match where everyone's going in and out. Things are coming in and focus out of focus, like Nate said, and you get, and then it comes to a satisfying conclusion and it's just kind of hard to walk away from this main event without like, at the very least, being at the very least being impressed or just enjoying it. It just was a great time. I'm hoping that this is like a perfect relationship in that Luke Gallows will go away in five to six weeks and I won't have to see him anymore. Because like oh, I'm, hey. I'm really enjoying this right now, but I will be tired of him <laughs> with some mm. quickness. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, man. do you remember like toward the end of that run in New Japan? <laughs> Yes, it rocked. Yeah, but he was, he, he was like Miserable. in G1s in New Japan. You had to have him like <laughs> watch, wrestle singles matches against Togi Makabe. <laughs> yeah, I, we're not going into Nikata and having a main event of a G1 of him yeah. and Hiroki Goto. And like, now, like half the joke here also is like, they'll be on BTU and they'll be like, you know we don't want to wrestle. <laughs> don't put us out there. We just want to dick around backstage and be good brothers. It's like perfect. Well, if they do that, I'll I'll be on board. But I did. I mean, basically, as soon as he came on camera and started saying "biz quiz," I was just like cackling the rest of the segment. And, just, and they just and they they've got a great dynamic because it is extremely aggressively stupid, uh, but they are enjoying themselves so much, and but they play it well because even if you hate these guys and you think all the dick humor or whatever is sophomoric and. Uh, you know, not funny or whatever. Like the Bucks are right there on your side, being like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you guys are still like this." Like we are parents, <laughs> we are adults, we are millionaires. You guys need to grow up or whatever. So we run get, a wrestling promotion. Yeah, they're having their cake and eat it too in that way. And, and it's something that, and I'm just gonna throw this out there. I think that, and it's something that I really enjoyed out of him before quarantine and everything like this. But the Chris Jericho just very like pompous dickhead in energy i called him like the danny mcbride jody hill aggrieved angry man energy luke gallows is that but like to super saiyan level three so like it's just great because he because he is someone that's not afraid to show his whole ass and that is something that i would not be surprised if sometimes we end up seeing luke gallows whole ass literally like and it's it's, it's something that he'll come up here and he'll say something like an absolute asshole and i start laughing he's a funny dude um michael spears uh what is your elite pick for this week i didn't know where you're going to get real formal formal right there (laughs) sorry Uh, i don't know yeah uh so yeah like as nate said this was a really enjoyable show pretty much start to finish but the thing that like i came away with and i will take my mini l 
because of what I said on AEW Lite, available on patreon.com slash everything elite, where I said that I was not hyped at all for this FTR bald versus Jungle Boy match, and they spent significant time towards it on Road to Dynamite, where Jungle Boy just, he can't cut a promo. Like he, it, it's something where like he does not like show charisma, like cutting promos or things like that. He's a very mild mannered person. That seems to be something that is like a stumbling block. But what you had here in this match between him and FTR Bolt was just a another great performance from Jungle Boy. Who, when you put him in like these singles matches, like the one that he had against uh, MJF at Fighter Fest, which was like truly exceptional. No, it wasn't Fighter Fest. That was at Double or Nothing. But it was like a truly exceptional one-on-one match. You need another one here with another very satisfying win that could have built to something. But now they are going to have a more prolonged uh, Jurassic Express versus FTR feud. And with the uh, post-match beatdown, which like that was a very effective beatdown they had, it's kind of heating up a program and a division that usually the focus is only really towards one or two things at one time. And now we have this really cool option here that's like they tore up luchasaurus's mask are we going to like see something like big coming out of that and i think that's a very intriguing thing as we look into revolution coming up in just over a month yeah i think they kind of had their cake and ate it too here uh because it was good to see just a straightforward uh i i I don't know if you'd call it old school wrestling match but it wasn't you know but i'd be pressed to call like pwg style it was like a simple wrestling match where the babyface won, tapped him out, clean in the middle with his move. But you also had the added stipulation of Luchasaurus at ringside with the other two people handcuffed into him. So it gave you a little bit of that storyline advancement and kind of a little goofy stipulation here with something, something out of the ordinary going on on the outside, but didn't actually, you know, interfere with the match. Didn't, uh, you know, do more distraction bullshit where you're like, okay, that's just WWE shit where we're not going to get any sort of clean winner one way or the other until maybe the pay-per-view. Uh, they stayed away from that. They just had the baby face end up being the better man. Uh, and then, you know, had a little bit of a hot angle afterward. Uh, and I think it succeeded on all counts there. I do. I think Dax is the better of the FTR guys. Um, you know, he works at a really great pace. Uh, and lay stuff in, and in this singles context, got to do more cool spots than I think we usually see from him. Like his little slingshot power bomb looked pretty cool. He had a great looking top rope backdrop uh, that I don't know that we see very often. So I enjoyed that. And yeah, Jungle Boy is just actually good and held his end of the bargain up here and pulled out some cool shit. So yeah, this was. I, I don't know if this ex- exceeded my expectations because I was pretty sure this was going to be good. I, I think I'm just at that point of Jungle Boy now. Where I'm just like, I am interested in watching this guy just wrestle an honest-to-goodness wrestling match. Yeah, I mean, he builds up this uh, this goodwill, I think, you know, at least among our kind of our kind of people by having, like, an actual good match and not doing, you know, Midnight Express uh, cosplay for the night. Then he runs to Twitter. And he tweets, just because you beat Jesse James don't make you as bad as Jesse James. And Jack, I am the baddest. God. Just shut the fuck up. Like, let us just enjoy what you did for one one evening. Their tweets are bad. Their tweets are so bad. Their tweets are not good. 
<laughs> They're bad tweets, folks. Bad tweets. Like uh, <laughs> one of the worst crimes you can commit in pro wrestling. I agree. Um, all right. My time, my turn, my pick. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go maybe off the board a little. Not, I mean, if you're an $8 subscriber to our Patreon, it's on the board, baby. But maybe off the board for most people. But uh, Red Velvet getting the the Brandy spot in the eventual Cody, Jade Cargill, Shaq match, I think is great. I think it's huge. I think it's a great way of, I mean, it fell into their last, but working in someone who you wouldn't have expected to be in a spot with, you know, Shaq on probably on this pay-per-view in March. And she comes out there, uh, stares down the camera and cuts a really nice promo. Doesn't feel like the moment's too big for her. Uh, also, she's a good worker, so maybe that will be helpful to Jade. You know, we don't know what Jade's level is at this point. We'll find out. Uh, but anyway, just happy that they put her in this uh, spot and that she so far is delivering. So good for her. Yeah, that was good. It also helps that it maintains a little bit of the storyline continuity because Brandy had been, you know, mentoring Red Velvet or whatever, coming out with her for matches. And, uh, you know, Red Velvet's been getting involved in the all these backstage attacks with <laughs> Jade Cargill, where at one point she was allied with Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, and that's been dropped. And there was all these other people running around backstage. Uh, but at least there's some common thread with Jade Cargill and, you know, uh, going at Red Velvet. So that helps uh, because the storyline's been pretty disjointed <laughs> otherwise. Uh, and yeah, the I, I think the real the real takeaway and the real positive to come out from that is I thought her promo was really good. Uh, was very impressed by her presence on, you know, her real significance, her first real significant attempt at that. Um, you know, Jade Cargill, I think, has played her role well and uh, uh, has started to assert herself and feel like she has some confidence. But, uh, you know, her first her first promo with Cody when she came out was, you know, competent, but you could feel that there was like a little bit of nerves. Like, oh, yeah, I am out here going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Cody on television and nobody knows who I am and this is the first time. Whereas, didn't really get that with Red Velvet. Red Velvet was like, I know what a promo looks like in this situation. I'm going to go out and do it. So... Yeah, great, great person to plug into this uh, this angle since it's, you know, all the other parts of it have just sort of flown off in every other direction. It really was something that last night we finally had coherence in the storyline because we had this segment and then we had Shaq on their fake award show and Shaq like laying it out there and then now we are... We, in a lot of ways, Red Velvet has, over the last few weeks, has become the glue of this this storyline. And it's something that's very necessary with how disjointed and how kind of pie in the sky of an idea it felt for a long time. But she brought the added gravity needed here. And it's something that like you see someone stepping up to the plate and knocking out of a park in a scenario where... You, we've seen people in those scenarios completely just fall on their face or, you know, strike out. So it was uh, very nice to see her step up, especially considering that she's someone that ever since they have been stationed in Jacksonville, she has been someone that's really, when they've given Red Velvet an opportunity on Dark and I believe in other fashions, like she's been on Dynamite before, she stepped up and it's nice to see that she's starting to get recognition for that. And it's going to be on her in a lot of ways for this match. 
if this if this is the, how this way is going to go, it's going to be on her because you look at Shaq. We don't expect Shaq and Cody to be doing anything other than brawling and like this, but it's going to be someone that you, you're going to need to have Red Velvet be able to show up unless Jay Cargill is this Utami Hayashishida like prodigy out of the gates. So it, it, it's it's nice to see someone like step into that role. And then when given an opportunity, just completely kill it. So, yeah, no, Red Velvet was a definite highlight of last night. All right, well, uh, let's hit the listener elite. And in fact, we have a massive elite, our first ever massive elite in the listener elite section. Uh, Our friend Kara from Twitter says, massive elite, the most electrifying move in sports entertainment, the lion salt. (laughs) As Chris Jericho uh, bounces back from his shitty line salt from last week and uh, hits one and then, you know, very pointedly stares the camera down. Yeah, good. Good fuck you energy from Chris Jericho there. Love. Uh, both both he and Britt Baker did a great job of hitting their finishers and staring the camera down, which is just a nice little heel bit to do. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc all right well let's talk about the things we didn't like and you know as we said i think it's going to be we're going to be pretty picky here because uh, we pretty much liked most of the episode. So, uh, Nate, get us started. What was something you really didn't like from this show? So this I did give some thought, uh, and mostly because I was listening to the Flagrant Ones podcast today, and they spent a lot of time taking taking it to Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, him specifically with reference to burying Donovan Mitchell on the Inside the NBA show. Uh, and then getting uh, mad and whining about it on Instagram. Yeah, so he he cuts this promo on the awards show uh, and just doesn't have anything for it. I don't know. You would expect Shaq to have better teardown promo chops, right? Like he was one of the most engaging guys in the NBA, supposedly, in his time there. He's like, oh, he's, he's actually funny. Shaq can actually be funny in commercials. Shaq actually can act in movies. Um, You know, Shaq should have inherited some kind of trash talking ability from being in the NBA at the time of Michael Jordan. Like there has to be some, there has to be something deeper there that Shaq can tap into where he can actually cut a promo on Cody and make it like feel genuinely insulting or make it feel like he actually means some part of it. Uh, But he just, he doesn't have any juice. Uh, Like the rest of the guys on the inside of the NBA show, like they have very, uh, low interest in even the NBA. Um, it seems like they've 
you know, they, they watch whatever show, watch, watch whatever game they're there to watch. And they don't really care about basketball <laughs> otherwise. Uh, so he comes here to AEW and he just doesn't have any juice here. He's, he, 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 he calls Cody a punk, calls him a punk, says he has stupid blonde hair. Um, and, and I'm not even clear as to why he doesn't like Cody in the first place. Cause the whole storyline went awry because it was based on the idea that Cody called out giants, but then Shaq explicitly said, no, I'm not mad at Cody, but now it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And, and there's just no fire or juice coming from Shaq's side of it, uh, which goes to what, what Mike said that if this is going to work, it's going to come down to really red velvet and then, and, and Jade Cargill putting something together. Yeah. And it's something where this, when I said everything was kind of falling into place, when we have some coherence here. You you have to have be like Shaq, dude. We we know that you kind of have this like personality that's very laconic, but we need you to like show something and some some sort of coherence because there is the whole entire Cody and Shaq aspect. Of this whole entire storyline has had no coherence whatsoever, and even though like Shaq like finally acted like he wanted to be in this match or wanted to have a fight with Cody. It's, it, I don't feel like we're asking for too much for saying like, Hey, uh, what's the motivation here? Other than Jade once saying like giant killer, you think you're a giant killer. Like that's kind of the only reason why we are here other than what happened later between Jade and Brandy. So like, and the failing of that is like, you look at, you look at Cody that when he's cut his promos, his promos have been fine. Jade has greatly improved. Red Velvet stepped up and immediately became one of the better things in the single. Shaq, you're coming in here for this. You're supposed to be this big star coming in here for this. Uh, do you care? Or is it something where you're just kind of doing this because you know it's good business to do this? Yeah, it, I just think he should care more. Like, the, we're supposed to believe he's like a big wrestling fan. He always, you know, danced around doing something with the WWE and never did it. And now it's like, oh, no, now here's your chance. And it's just like, I, I thought you would have more fire or more ideas instead of just feeling like it going through the motions. Yeah, I mean, he does a better job making fun of Charles Barkley, you know, than he did than he did here. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't expect him to care too much because, like you said, he doesn't seem to care about the fucking NBA, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is like his, his job. Uh, right. I, I mean, I get not caring about your job because fuck your job. And he's got sure. he's got a jillion dollars. So what does he care? But <laughs> why do this? Is the idea of this you want to do it because you have some passion for wrestling? That's this is what he right. should care about if he doesn't care about his job. Right. He's. I mean, as far as I know, he's not like his Turner contract doesn't require him to to do this match. <laughs> I, I don't think. But uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, yes, it makes sense to not care about your job, but it's like also his whole life, you know, how much of his life has been about the NBA, you know, right. you would think he'd have some interest in the games, but he doesn't seem to, other than, uh, as you mentioned, talking shit about Donovan Mitchell for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this match is going to be, and this build is going to be a huge test of the Cody Ace energy. What what can he draw out of Shaq here? Uh, can he put something together that makes some sense? So we'll we'll learn a lot more about about who Cody kinda, is during this. I kind of feel like the ship has sailed on it making sense <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, I just hopefully just like they can get to the finish line in a way that 
you know, doesn't <laughs> that does some favors for Cody and, and Red Velvet, I guess, and really and Jade Cargo. All right, buddy. <laughs> wow. All right, Mike, buddy, you got uh, you got something in mind that you didn't like from this show? Hi, I'm the muddy. <laughs> Mike, buddy, all all in into one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I've been feeling really good about AEW lately, so I'm having to kind of uh, just go out seeking something. But Arn Anderson, I guess we're just really fixated on this one program but Arn Anderson just being like hey I'm gonna ramble for a while and then just cutting just like the most like I remember your dad fighting in the LA forum and then flying so he could see his his baby you still have and then like he tried to link it into like you still have time to have this match before Brandy is due it just was very like this feud I really want to work because I think Jade could be like the star and, and I'm happy to see Red Velvet like get elevated but the dudes in this feud suck can i i i just really just like cody's just kind of there and arn anderson cut a real old man rambling promo and shaq doesn't want to be there and it just like uh but arn on the show like don't see the whole entire purpose of arn and part of the segment it made no sense to me yeah arn started talking and my uh dinner got delivered and then i went downstairs to pick up my dinner and, you know, takes a while. And he came back and he was still fucking talking. It's like, how long has this guy been talking? I could not believe it because I was already bored on my way out the door. Uh, no, the old people shouldn't talk anymore uh, in general, but especially on the television show. Uh, old people should shut the fuck up uh, pretty much on every topic. Uh, I, I don't have a specific age. Um, what's Jericho now? 48 or something? Is he 50? Chris Jericho, is he 50? Yeah. Is he 50? I don't think he's quite 50 yet. 48? Something. Um, oh, he's 50, 50 years old. Okay, if you're a day older than Chris Jericho, not, not that I particularly want to hear from Chris Jericho, uh, but certainly if you're older than Chris Jericho, you shouldn't talk anymore. So, Arn Anderson, no more talking. Jim Ross, no more talking. Um, but, you know, the, the highlight of this program, and I think where AEW can differentiate itself from WWE, is having, like, good youthful vibrant urgent energy from its wrestlers like that's why people are like fuck what's hook gonna do i can't wait to see hook because hook has like the specific uh chip on his shoulder shitty kid energy uh that is like missing in major league wrestling and he brings that i mean same thing for like ricky starks or, or darby allen it's like oh they have a youthful energy that is contemporary and makes this feel like a modern show that is of its time and not of 20 years ago. Uh, and that's like sunk when you let Arn Anderson ramble on for 50 minutes. No more old people. Cancel old people. Uh, sorry, somebody just sent me a, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Masahiro Tanaka, who used to pitch for the Yankees, has announced today he's going back to Japan. Announced yesterday, somebody, I think. I'm sorry? Announced yesterday. That may be true. Uh, and yeah. somebody sent me a tweet just now that's from a japan yahoo uh article and it's apparently just about gary sanchez calling tanaka pizza because his nipples look like pepperonis and asking me if i could translate it which of course i fucking can't because i don't know kanji <laughs> <laughs> or not enough kanji but that but google suggests or twitter suggests that that's what it's about 
<laughs> That's all. So I was just reading about Tanaka's pepperoni-sized nipples uh, as you were talking about old people. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. It really hurts me. Everybody knows I love Arn Anderson, but uh, he's really just a useless part of this uh, of this story or whatever this act. It's just bad. I agree. Speaking of things um, that I think are useless, my delete. Uh, they have somehow made me not excited when Adam Page shows up on these shows. Um, I didn't think that's the direction you were going. I thought you were going to go the other way on your list here. Oh, no. That was kind of a afterthought. It wasn't that bad, really. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, but This is the weak, the weak part of this segment, I think. Okay, go on. Uh, but fucking Matt Hardy uh, coming out during this match. Matt Hardy anywhere near... Adam Page is bad. But then Matt Hardy being like, oh, uh, hey, don't you need some new friends? Don't you need a place where there's not people who are uh, bothering you like the elite did? And it's like, as somebody pointed out in our Discord, he's offering exactly what the Dark Order offered Adam Page. That's the same thing. We're just doing the same angle. Every Adam Page angle is, is he going to join up with these people? Or is he going to continue being part of these people? Just like all the angles, as Nate talked about, I think. Uh, last week it's just like can we please get away from this and just let adam page do anything else they before covid started they had this guy as looking like the next big huge star in this company and maybe when fans come back they'll just be able to flip the switch again but it's now to the point where i would just rather him not be on the show if they're going to do these angles constantly it's i hate it yeah i mean my own my own like if i'm doing work on behalf of the promotion and i want to justify this it's like okay i like that all these people want a piece of adam page it's like okay he's a star like the dark order wants him because he's a big star and he's really good and matt hardy wants him because he's a big star and he's really good um that that would be a, a a a okay justification i think even though i just don't need to see matt hardy on television every single week or twice a week um but yeah the <laughs> turning it all into I want Adam Page in this group, and also he's sad about it. Uh, I is not, I think, beneficial to what made people excited about him. It just comes off as like just stale, like left for lack of better words, stale. Just like the fact that you literally finished that storyline, or what we are assumed to be the endpoint of Adam Page and the Dark Order. You finished that last week. And now you are doing it again. So it it I, I don't know if I'm to the point of Aaron and thinking that he should just go away or just go wrestle and do things of absolutely zero consequence other than just being a guy right now. But they have completely marginalized them in such a way that like the now like the big thing was like he was like trying to be able to like pave his own path he wanted to be his own guy and that was like the big storyline for a long time and into and before covid was like okay adam page is now his own thing and now we're like doing this thing now for almost 12 months of does adam page have any agency whatsoever and it does kind of seem like unless he's going to like end up going like you know what i don't want to be in part of your group i don't want to be part of your group i don't want to be part of your group i'm starting my own group Unless that's the end point, and that's where they're trying to get to, is that he just gets frustrated of other people making decisions, and he elects to do this them himself. What's the point? 
I don't know if there is one other than they, they, they like having funny chirons about his existential nightmare. Yeah, it's just funny because I complain sometimes that they like, although I guess people give me shit for this, but I complain sometimes that they do things too fast, like angles too fast, but then some angles, they just drag on for fucking ever and they never end. And uh, I'm, all I'm asking for is a happy medium. Uh, but this does lead me into the listener delete of the show, which is from uh, our good friend and uh, brother for some of us on the show, Drew Spears, who says, delete the glacial pace of Sammy and MJF splitting the inner circle. Have to agree. Really, uh, it really sinks our arguments against all the nepotism in this promotion when you just have the, uh, the listener elites and deletes just be family members and then Kara from the show. <laughs> um, yeah, it really, really shows our biases, I think. Um, I will say, all the all the Dark Order people were like tweeting when Matt Hardy came out and did this. And we're like, wow. And it's like, stay away from him. And like, wow, it's fucked up. Uh, so I do kind of, if this is a route to get to an angle where the Dark Order now is mad at Matt Hardy and Private Party, I think that's a good little next feud for both those teams. Um, cause the dark orders are baby faces now and we don't really, can't really be sure what they're going to do with them next. I think that'd be a, a, a good place to take this and get something positive out of it. All right. Let's talk about, uh, ratings real quick. AEW, a big drop down to 734,000, uh, but sixth, is that right? Sixth in the demo yep. with a 0.29. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for them. Um, but they were 33rd last week. Is that right? Yeah. This, this segment I call Aaron reads Mike's notes and is increasingly surprised. (laughs) Uh, NXT had a bump, uh, up to 720,000, 24th in the demo with a 0.21. So like the big story, and this is the part of the segment where Mike explains his notes to Aaron. Uh, so Aaron, you know about how there was the big outage with streaming providers during the I, first match of AEW? I did notice that from our good friends in the Discord. Yeah, it affected me as well. I think that some of this is because you look at the rest of the TV, we've kind of gone back to a null state where you, you look at like the rest of the programming and it's all just kind of there and it all looks pretty decent, I would say, with uh, how you expect. New stuff is kind of curtailed a little bit. Though it's kind of interesting now that CNN is the top dog, not MSNBC, whereas you would expect in the past. But yeah, so it other than Rachel Maddow is the top news store show. So we do have that. But I think this is something because there are certain things that Nielsen pulls from to develop their, their rating, especially when it, it is non-traditional cable. YouTube TV... Hulu and Sling, all three of those are incorporated in the immediate overnights. Everyone thing else is in the plus three and plus sevens. I I can't say this for sure, but I think it's there's enough of a statistical like effect, I would think, of this that this would affect that. So yeah, that that's really the big thing. No other big takes other than it's the uh the female viewership, which they've been doing pretty strong on. There was a pretty Significant drop with that. I mean, the rest of it looks pretty much as you'd expect. Uh, NBA was back on top. Challenge number two. Rachel Maddow, five. Real Housewives, four. Then AEW. And then NXT is just kind of where NXT is. Well, Rachel Maddow had Zinni Jardine on, I think. So 
That explains the bump for her. Boing boings, Zenny Darjean. <laughs> did did, did, right, did well, she ask? Did she ask the one question that we all have to ask about about Zinni Jardine and Rachel Maddow? I have to say that I did not actually watch the was, segment. Was she actually on, or was she was it just a screenshot going around of a previous appearance because of the other funny looking guy? Yeah, no idea. Uh, I just saw a picture of her on Rachel Maddow, okay. and I decided to say I'm, I'm not positive that was last night. <laughs> that could have been <laughs> any other day of the last few years. Yeah, ever have no idea but uh anyway let's go let's break down the uh the show this week week 69 a very nice episode nice. of of dynamite uh kicked off with a nice match eddie kingston defeating lance archer with a loaded back fist uh the butcher and blade dragged out jake roberts uh before the match lance was like jake you know you can stay in the back uh after the match butcher and blade dragged him out and while everyone was distracted the bunny gave eddie a knuckle duster and he, he hit him with it. Uh, and Team Eddie attacked Archer after that. He, he hit him with the dang weapon. Fucked up. <laughs> he admitted. Uh, this really benefited from the really bonkers looking bump right at the top where Eddie was getting like choke slammed from the inside onto the apron on the outside and like missed the apron with half of his body. So it really looked gnarly. Uh, and that just like immediately got me interested in the match. So everything from that point forward was like much more effective. Uh, so yeah, really good. Really good show opening match that wasn't, you know, a sprint tag. And they uh, actually are going to have some consequences for the for the cheating. So I'm excited about that. We'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show. We had a John Moxley pre-tape. Lots of pre-tapes. Do you think we'll ever have the bunny? Do you think the bunny's done wrestling? <laughs> they may be like, hey, the bunny, here's your consequences. You have to wrestle Jade in a warm-up match or whatever. Ooh. But I, it yeah. just seems like she doesn't wrestle anymore. She, has, she doesn't even wrestle on Dark, now that I think about it. She just never wrestles. Uh, we have the Mox pre-tape. He's confused about how this elite thing is going. Uh, he doesn't think it's going to work out in the end. He's also confused about the death triangle. Uh, but he likes having sex in the morning, and he likes six-man tags, and he thinks this one he's going to have next week is going to be incendiary. Yeah, I don't like the Moxley promos where he's being the voice of the company as much as his promos where he's talking about things personal to himself and this was much more like check out AEW dynamite it's gonna be good yeah i was surprised at how much people like this because i thought it was uh pretty yeah, cheesy I, I think that's just uh people you know defaulting to their default position on this guy which is that he's good promo yeah not Maybe my favorite is, but, but yes yeah. uh this rolled right into a sting and darby pre-tape sting said since we're going to be in a street fight i want you to know you're throwing out a lot of accusations and it hurts my feelings you called us hoodlums uh he admits that darby might in in fact be a hoodlum and darby says you see <laughs> darby says you see in the streets it doesn't matter if you play clean or play dirty it's all about survival he uh throws his skateboard through a window that's a, just a skateboard gone uh and he says he is a hoodlum no different from you. I presume he means Taz. Uh, no, I mean, I'm no, sorry. Sting. He means Sting. He's telling Sting he's also a hoodlum. Uh, Sting breaks the windows, admits he's a hoodlum, and says a revolution. It's going to be showtime. Yeah, Great. This was, this was the good. Darby thing just made me laugh because I started thinking about the uh, the Warren G, uh, the thing from Regulators, you know, where it's like, and he's stealing up his part. You got to be damn good if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. That's what that's what Darby was going for here, I think. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, this like this benefit is so much just from any sort of change of scenery. Like they didn't have any better idea than they've had over the last, you know, 10 weeks of running this angle in the ring over and over again. But it's like, hey, let's go somewhere else and we can break some windows. Uh, and it made for a 200% better segment. Uh, and Sting, like bringing some weird comic energy to this, like he's fully impact Sting in this in this <laughs> vignette. He's like a virgin gun insane icon Sting. Uh, and it totally works, and it was uh, a joy to me. Yeah, uh, the, the, this was a blast, and it shows you how much just shaking things up slightly can change things that feel stale, because we actually have now, over the past two weeks, have had some evolution in this storyline, finally. Uh, my only disappointment is that we did not have like the snow machine going off inside the uh, warehouse. And also, I wonder, because they've had like a lot of like these like set-piece promos over the last uh well even on the show i mean you had moxley who was looking like he was doing this at a construction site that's his place darby gets an abandoned building and then pack gets his former church like place it makes me wonder like how many buildings do the cons have access to in this in the city of jacksonville i I need to ask the real duval heads and, and see what they say on the streets about this well you see in the streets mike doesn't matter if you play clean or dirty like I would, I would recommend if you know any um, hood barbershops in Duval to go check those out and see, what, <laughs> see what's being said in the hood barbershops. Thank I, you I, for getting... They have the real world on what's going down in the streets. Thank you, Nate. I appreciate you got what I was going for, even if AB just completely let it sail by. Sorry, all I can think about is this... Uh, <clears throat> the pepperoni and nipples, yeah. Yes. It, it turns out that the tweet I was being sent was a Masahiro Tanaka tweet where he was denying that he has pepperoni nipples and that he's ever been called <laughs> pepperoni nipples. So, so this is actually something that, that Masahiro Tanaka has to address now in social media is Gary Sanchez yeah. claiming that the claim, a claim that Gary Sanchez made fun of his pepperoni boy nipples. Yes. So that's happening. <laughs> Twitter.com. Th- th- is this what this year's come to already? Like yeah. we're 28 days in and we have, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, okay. I, I'm revising this right now, just right now. Just thinking <laughs> about this right now. There he's talking we go. about his mental health thermometer, folks. He's, I think he's erased the entire thermometer. I think he just crashed hard. Yeah, I just, why? It's, it's sub-awful at this point. Yeah, oh, no. I, I, I mostly have to blame Aaron for this, for, for continuing <laughs> to push this narrative about the pepperoni nipples. Well, I, the, I the, blame... this broke me. This broke me. The, 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 the whole like thing about like that this is a news story now that I assume now it's, it's an international news story, at least in the baseball community between NPB well, Aaron, Aaron and... Aaron is making one. Again, we have, to, we have to hold people accountable for their social media behavior. And uh, I think yeah. Aaron's podcast behavior falls into that. I will say in fairness, uh, Tanaka is hitting the WWW on his, you know, as part of this tweet. So, I mean, he's laughing about this. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad now. But I'm still like, this is stonks yes, I just, and then I'll, yeah. <laughs> I just found out recently that WWW means LOL in uh It can just be a single W. In fact, when you say multiple That's Ws, right. it makes me think World Wide Web and then I get confused. Uh, I had a friend in high school who's lived with her grandparents, and they said she couldn't go on the internet because WWW actually stood for 666. <laughs> and so when anybody says WWW, that's what it makes me think of. Uh, that's like 
that's like 35% of the population is on that level of uh, conspiratorial thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But these people were way ahead. I mean, this was, you know, Oh, they're ahead of the time for sure. Yeah. Pioneers. Uh, speaking of uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, Chris Jericho and uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman defeated the varsity blondes with the Judas effect lion salt combination uh, before the match, MJF invited Griff Garrison to say, I quit. You had a call back to their previous interaction, but uh, Griff hit him instead. Yeah, really, like I said on Twitter, really maximizing the use of Brian Pillman here, I think. And yeah, really, uh, I'm so bored of Chris Jericho, um, but this exceeded my expectations because I was like, oh, wow, you know, Griff Garrison really showing some fire here. Uh, that kept me engaged. And Judas Effect's still a great looking finisher on top of the line salt. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, Brian Pillman somehow finding like the ideal role for him is just being a plucky babyface with very little personality. Like, yeah, he can't, he can't, he cannot show an ounce more of personality because his personality for sure stinks. Uh, so he's just got to be Griff Garrison's anonymous tag partner. Yeah, yeah. Who, who has uh, a lacrosse stick as a weapon? Apparently on dark, like his weapon oh, is a lacrosse stick. He's got a Benghazi acrostic as a weapon and he's going to use it by posting. Well, it's not going away. <laughs> it's not. Even uh, the acrostic. I, I don't know. I'm the, I'm the Brian Pillman defender on this podcast. He has, he, he had, I think the worst match I've ever seen live. And that is how I will think of him until he has like an incredible match. Cause I was at that Brian Pillman versus Tommy dreamer match in MLW. Uh, and I did want to die. Who did we see him wrestle in, um, where was that, New York? At yes, the, uh... I'm, I, again, I feel like I need to apologize again for the show. Each time that you we bring up the this uh, U.S. versus the World show where it was like Brian Pellman. Out, I, I don't even remember. Yeah, it was no, Emil Satochi or whatever. The oh, yeah, it was Emil Satochi. Yes, the uh, former WXW star. I always mistake that guy with the MLJ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, never mind. Not going to do it. Okay. Uh, there was a pack free tape. He says, Kenny's been acting like Billy Big Bollocks. And he just wants everybody to know that uh, he and the Death Triangle hate Kenny. Uh, Kenny and his friends hate them back. And next week, they're going to face the consequences. It was good. Oh, yeah. Pack being good. Pack being great. Pack standing around the uh, loft of his abandoned uh, church without in his wrestling gear like just pack being pack uh yeah Shaq. we got the Shaq thing that they talked about earlier cody came out uh with tony Schiavone, and yeah we've talked about this so we're just setting up that match then we had uh pre-tape for uh there's a wedding happening next week folks uh, penelope invites everyone and miro tells us that charles taylor is going to be there so i love miro i have to be when Excalibur threw to this, he said that Miro and Kip are inviting you. And it's like, Miro is not getting married. You are the, 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 the <laughs> weddings in our culture are largely, um, you know, thought to be like uh, the most important day for the bride. That's like her, her most important day of her life's wedding, you know. Uh, but Penelope, you know, at least got to say like one thing of this because otherwise has been totally secondary in this angle. Um but I can't be too mad because Miro flashing his superstar smile and uh, giving Charles Taylor a hard time is very entertaining, and Miro kicks ass. 
Yeah, but where is the bachelor party? We were promised a bachelor party. Uh, well, so I think Outgan suggested that the bachelor party did occur. Maybe that was the tape segment we saw where Billy Mitchell was there. With that the, was oh, planning. No, no. That said was the planning. Opposite. Oh, okay. Outgan said that he went back and watched it, and it oh. was they were planning the bachelor party. Maybe it's on dark this week. I think it's probably not happening. Real. <laughs> it's really right. too bad. Because that does. There with is Charles like, there, rich, Yeah, with, with Chuck Taylor there dressed as a, a butler. It's a rich vein, and it just seems like we're not going to get it. it. It's something that like this wedding has been on the periphery for such a long time, but now I'm really sad that it's going to happen because I want to see more of Miro and Charles Taylor. Like, I feel like that we're getting, like, this very short thing here that, I mean, the old school, like, uh, territory lover in me wants him to, like, have this be, like, a long, drawn-out, like, 60 days that he has to be the, uh, the the butler to all of them. And then he finally snaps when the days are up. And now we already get the blow-off, which not complaining about. I think that this storyline is interesting, and I think it's going to get the uh, response it deserves. It's just, like, kind of feels like it's, a, it's suddenly upon us. I, uh, I I just want something. I need something to deliver that makes sense of Penelope basically doing nothing in this angle for the last six months or whatever it's been. Uh, I've heard some people think that she's going to leave Kip for Orange, um, which I think is not. I don't think that makes sense for Orange going forward and, and having Orange continue to be a big star on this program. I think Penelope has to leave Kip for Miro. And then Kip just has to like eat it and be like, fine, I don't have any other friends. You can you can take my fiance. I'm gonna I'm just gonna continue to, to pal around. You know, remember that Chappelle show sketch where the guy's masturbating in the corner in the dark? That's what Kip Sabian should be doing. <laughs> what if what if Penelope leaves Kip for Charles? Um I that's better than orange for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Charles, of course, isn't like famously married to someone like Miro is, right? Right. Um, yeah, but I problem. don't. I don't really. They are both Philadelphia people. That's true. I don't really I, know I if guess, that works for Chuck. I guess what I love about all this is that Miro. I think this was on Talk with Jericho, where he was like, "Man, when I talked with Tony about." This big angle, you know, as the best man. I just knew that's what I had to do. And then from there, you know, I'll move on to my next thing. And it's like, this has been the dumbest. Like, the, o- the only good part about this angle is the Charles Taylor thing, which fell in their laps because Trent Billy got Mitchell. No, Billy I, Mitchell. I like, I like the angle overall, mostly because of just Miro's performance in it. Like, sure. Yeah, it, sure. Wouldn't, it wouldn't work with almost anybody else. But, but he's but he sold it like it was gonna be this like big, you know. We spent we've we've already worked out two months of television on this angle, but it was like nothing really happened. Pretty funny. I'm gonna get um, I'm gonna get excited for this segment on the day of and be like, oh boy, here comes the wedding. We're gonna something's gonna happen, and I'm gonna get into it. Uh next up, Hangman Page defeated the Hollywood hunk, Ryan Nemeth with the Buckshot Lariat. I, the floor is the floor is open. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so here's my. I really, hi, young Briley. I guess I don't understand like why his choice is to come in here and have his gimmick be I'm super good looking, and then he does a bunch of his older brothers taunts and spots. 
I don't understand <laughs> that choice. I do. I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic and almost rooting for him in a bit. Like he clearly got like a bad, clearly had a bad uh, run of things in like FCW. Like he was there, I think in the Bill Demott era. Uh, and then mm-hmm. after that, like, you know, uh, I don't want to say he went to work for bar wrestling and obviously did yes. not come away from bar wrestling with a positive, having had a positive experience. I think you can look at his, his timeline and, and conclude that. So, you know, I, I kind of a sympathetic character, I think between those experiences. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, and I, it's, I, I just don't understand why he's like, okay, I'm going to have generic taunts. I say hunk on them. My <laughs> whole thing is going to be how I'm, super hot and good looking and young <laughs> according to his twitter handle which i i would have changed uh and then he just like does hey you know my my more famous older brother check me do his shit out that's i would go a different direction if i was if i would <laughs> if i was if you were hot young yeah. bro right? <laughs> if i was as hot and as young as is hot young bradley and um I think I am younger. I'm certainly not as hot as hot young Bradley. I would go a different direction. I don't know, Nate. I mean, I was uh, not really impressed with the looks of one hot young Bradley. Well, I don't, I don't think show. the hair is doing me any favors either. Honestly, I think it's very weird. Uh, so I, I think he used to be bigger and I think his hair used to be better. And uh, I would not have made the same aesthetic choices as him. Yeah. He definitely was bigger uh, before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was a, a lot of weird choices going on, but yeah, he is thirty six, so I think uh, older than all of us. Yeah, I think we all come in as uh, yeah, he, he, you know, the young bucks. A lot of a lot of hay has been made about the young bucks still being called the young bucks, but at least that's like a team name. And, and, and Nick Jackson is still like quite young. Uh, high young Briley, certainly at thirty seven. I don't think you can be called young. Right, like thirty six is kind of pushing it. I mean, I wouldn't be young at in wrestling. In wrestling, like no, maybe, no, yeah, thirty seven. You're you're basically forty. Yeah, yeah. And when you're when you're forty, you're basically fifty. When you're fifty, you might as well be dead. Yeah. So yeah, you got, you got like basically a year left on the clock, hot young Bradley, uh, and then you're basically <laughs> dead. It, it's it, it's just something like I totally understand why he would want to. And I was actually talking with uh, Drew about this, about him wanting to leave wrestling on better terms. Yeah. And if that's the case here, totally fine. Totally get this nice little thing you're doing for someone that, I mean, as you said, like, sadly, like the second chapter of this guy's career is completely going to have marks against it because of where he was based and who he's associated with. So totally understand that. But it's just... One of the more bizarre things that this promotion has done has suddenly not only given a match, but given like premium shoulder content time to hot young Briley, the Hollywood hunk, uh, Ryan Nemeth, and then the match just kind of being there. Like this, like we've talked about this match more so than it deserved any effort because of how confusing it is that hot young Briley was here. I kind of want to let's workshop better gimmicks for hot young Briley because he can do something better than. I'm Dolph Ziggler's brother. That's what he did in this match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it's pretty like to me. It's pretty easy to be like, uh, my brother's more successful than I am, and it eats at me. I've mm-hmm. failed at wrestling, and now I want to do better. And so 
You can either right. do that in like yeah. he can be embittered or he can be like a really positive thing. Like I'm going to overcome the shadow of my younger brother or whatever or older well, brother. I don't it, fucking know. Yeah, the, um, with the younger brother. That's a different thing. Yeah, but it's like very easy. Like that's an easy story to tell. Yeah, oh, they, sure. And they kind of told it in the Road to video, but then he just like he literally did the spots and had the blonde hair. Like, yeah, very strange. You might as, you might as well call him Rolf the Ziggler and just kind of get along with it because that's what he kind of is. Like Michael Schumacher and Rolf Schumacher, he's the worst brother. So, oh, I thought wow. you were just like, rhyming Rolf with Dolph. Well, I was there, but then I was able to pull it into something. I pulled nice. that out of my house. Was that was that pretty nice? You like that there, Nate? It was great. It was yeah, great. I, don't, I don't know the Schumacher family, but it, it makes sense to me. Well, I mean, you know who Michael Schumacher is, right? Yeah. I don't know Rolf Schumacher is the point. <laughs> <laughs> fail son, uh, a fail younger brother. Yeah. I, like, know, if I, I, only, I only know one Rolf. And I think that's the dog from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% on that. But Rolf. but honestly, like being like the bitter younger brother is a lot more compelling character than just literally looking like you, your gear was hand me downs from your older brother, where you just put honk on your ass instead of, I uh, I don't know whatever whatever weird thing that uh, Dolph Ziggler thinks is funny and cute nowadays. But it's just I I would love to know what what the justification about this entire thing is. Yeah, I can't work my way around it. I, it is strange set of choices for me. And now I'm dealing with this right after pepperoni nipples and Masahiro Tanaka. Like I am, the, this is bad. Just Mike's why? had to deal with a lot here. Yes, I was going to clarify the bar wrestling thing, and then I realized I don't need to be stay I away don't from need to be on the other side of a V anytime, anytime soon. Okay, uh, Jungle Boy. How about that? Jungle Boy and Dax. We had the the hype video from Road 2. Then they wrestled. Jungle Boy won with the snare trap after the match. So they were handcuffed together, but they were like very noticeably, or I guess Luchasaurus was like very noticeably holding on to the the things in between the, the handcuffs. The yeah. And then they like, I mean, they just like weren't connected or something because they like ripped them apart at the end? Or, or... Well, I think that's because they were probably gimmicked. And also that probably... Uh, lessens the pain on his wrists if someone's pulling them away from him. Sure. Yeah, so they, they ultimately uh, got away from him. They threw powder in his eyes. Um, they attacked. They went to cut Jungle Boy's hair, but Marco, SCU, and Top Flight made the save. The, they first handcuffed uh, Luchasaurus to the ropes and cut off parts of his mask. That's his true. Horns. Yeah, his horns. So yeah, uh, as we said earlier, I thought this was great. I thought That's this what happens this... when you're too horny. Hmm? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Mike just muted himself and backed away from his microphone. Just so everybody knows. Okay, Team Taz pre-tape. I guess I can just do whatever I want to now. Nobody's going to interact with me. <laughs> Taz is cutting a promo. Uh, but someone behind them is setting up Sting and Darby gear outside, you know, for all the fans. <laughs> and uh, Hook and friends attack them. This was, yeah, just a uh, much better segment than, hey, Sting and Darby in the ring. And we're going to come out and be like, we don't like you guys. Just like any any other idea is better than doing the same thing over and over again. Like, honestly, like I don't, this could have been bad. And I would have been like, at least it wasn't the same fucking in the ring angle. Uh, but actually, this was good. 
and like I said, you just got like Hook's shitty entitled lacrosse kid energy, uh, which is like perfect. Like that. No, I'm not going to make that reference. Uh, and he's beating people up. Uh, Brian Cage did the Rey Mysterio lawn dart to a guy against the truck. Uh, Ricky Starks like really got a guy up to put him through the table. I'm not convinced the guy wasn't Aaron Solo because he was kind of hiding his face when he was down on the ground. Uh, but yeah, this was kick ass. This is like this, just this segment is like all the youthful energy of AEW is like uh, distilled here. Even though you've got like Taz, like Taz feels very vibrant and uh, you know contemporary. Yeah, this rocked. Like it was. I'm now full aboard Team Taz versus the Huddlums now. Like, this is... They, they did enough within, like, two minutes to completely stoke any interest out in this feud and actually make it be something that I'm really looking forward to at Revolution. Next up, Britt Baker defeated Shanna with the lockjaw. After the match, Britt kept attacking Rosa... Oh, I'm sorry, kept attacking uh, Shanna, but Thunder Rosa made the save. Good match. Uh, Britt Baker, big star. Yeah, Britt, it's, I felt like that this was really well done, and I'm glad that they've kind of now tied it back into Rosa, and now we get to see what the whole thing's going to be coming out of this feud and how it's going to play into the women's title eliminator tournament. Yeah, uh, Shayna put out a new T-shirt, and it's got, like, some stars on it, and I'm like, I mean, who knows? Is this some sort of, like, white supremacist shit? I mean, it's, like, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah okay mjf is backstage uh, he and sammy they're getting into it again folks they're not seeing eye to eye uh but sammy said he's not playing yeah i mean i wouldn't say it in that voice i do understand that it's just they're, they're doing this <laughs> week after week but sammy was good that's the thing it's like sammy sammy Sammy's is good, always good. yeah so his, his thing when he said i'm not playing was like oh that's a good line it was. I'm just bored of it, for sure. Sure. Uh, Dasha is backstage with the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers. Uh, yeah, they do BizCliz stuff. Yeah, very, see, uh, again, very dismissively uh, written with the BizCliz stuff on your notes. Uh, whereas I, I think it deserved a, a higher level of discourse. Like, they were making all these dick jokes. They were swinging their belts around like they were dicks. Um, sure. What else did they say? Donaconda. Donaconda. That was good. <laughs> So I enjoyed uh, it a lot, but it's just like, again, I'm not going to write it, all this shit down. Suck it. Suck it was in there. Sure. And I was right. Mike was right. Or at least I, I'm going to be proven just, right. I was just avoiding writing it all down. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. I mean? So Mike Mike was right about Don Callis uh, seemingly faking that he was no, assaulted. I was right about that, Nate. I'm the one who said it. Okay. Well, now I don't know. No, you're probably right, Aaron. That was probably you. Um, I, I can't I, believe I'm being. Notes, if I, I can't believe that, like right now, after my last twenty minutes, I'm being gaslit like this. Well, that's you well, know, yeah. Well, it, listen, it, it, it's only effective when you're vulnerable, Mike. So you have to. <laughs> I'm exceedingly vulnerable at this moment. You have to create that opportunity and then exploit. <laughs> and, and just get ahead right. of this. I do not want to see uh, photos of Trent's nipples into my uh, mentions after this. Trent's nipples? Why would you say that? Because cause Trent's known, as Chuck said, that he has big pepperoni boys. Was this discussed? Or is this new information? This is, this is canon on Best Friends, on Poppin' Dogs, okay. Talkin' Hog. Yeah, yeah I, w- I wouldn't have said that. I, I would not have said. 
that you want to see photos of Trent's nipples being sent. I to said you. I did not want to see this. That's, wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me get this straight, Aaron. That's not what I heard. Yeah, no, I understood you want to see pictures of Trent's no, nipples I... in your mention. That's what I heard. Stop bullying me. <laughs> I was thinking like maybe Cesaro nipples. Also, he's got. I mean, famously big nipples. Mike. Are you, okay, Mike's silence is acceptance, I believe. So No, it's not. Keep that in mind, it, friends. It, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers defeated John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. Uh, Matt pinned Stu Grayson with the Meltzer driver. Uh, after the match, Matt said if the, the Bucks are now going to be in this tag team battle royal, and if they win, they get to handpick their opponent. And think about it. It could be anybody. And then the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers do the famous hand sign. Uh, Phoenix comes out, but the Good Brothers attack him. Mox makes the save. Omega comes out, but Mox hits him with the paradigm shift. Really good angle to close it out, mostly because like Phoenix comes out like a badass. He's like, I'm going to beat all these four guys up. I don't care. Uh, then he did a sick dive where, you know, as I always put over with Phoenix, he he aims for about the second row in the fans, uh, but he, he got clipped on the gate, but then ended up just sitting on the barrier. So that was badass. Um, so yeah, that was like pretty hype. Not like especially hype for, hey, we're going to be in a battle royal and we might win and then challenge our friends who we are mad at. Um, that's like whatever as far as an angle goes for me. And, you know, we've at length on this show, I think, complained about <laughs> the tag team gauntlet battle royal booking ad infinitum. Um, but everything else here was like pretty hot and cool. Phoenix looks cool. like a badass. You get them both. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. They're like Phoenix somehow like managed to defy physics when he like entered the ring and like springboard off the ropes. It, it was tight. And, you know, I love a good trios match and I'm stoked for that to m- next week. Interesting to me that, or not, inter- I mean, it's obvious, but it's kind of funny that the Beaver boys are now above Uno and Grayson in the, in the hierarchy of tag teams. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> it is funny. I've talked about how they, it was weird that the Smash Brothers were like pretty much not used during the pandemic as a tag team when they were one of the most pushed acts in the first, you know, three months of the company or whatever. Um, I, Stu, I mean, they're good. Stu Grayson does crazy things in every match that he's in. All right, that was the show. Uh, that was the episode for this week. Uh, if you want to support this show, you can head over to patreon.com slash everything elite, where we bring you tons of bonus content. Three tiers you can subscribe to. The $5 tier gets you all the audio we do and all the audio we've ever done. Uh, this week, our bonus episode was a new series featuring uh, yours truly, Mixtape Club. I sat down with, I sat down with K-Slow. You know, we sat down, had a little chat, <laughs> as opposed to all my standing podcasts. Well, Nate does stand during this podcast. So uh, we talked about Tough Guy Hardcore, which you probably don't know about. You probably don't care about. But if you go listen to this, you'll have a good time. Uh, we even included some clips from the songs. So you'll get a sense of what Tough Guy Hardcore sounds like. Uh, thanks to Mike. I was working on trying to make that happen where people could hear things. Uh, Mike helped me figure that out, and uh, we made it happen. So it's fun. Listen to it. We also It's had... about respect. It's about respect. <laughs> it is. If you've ever just needed respect in your life, uh, you'll like Tough Guy Hardcore. Trust me. <laughs> uh, 
Wednesday, we did light as we always do. That's where we uh, preview Dynamite, review Dark. Nate gives us the vlog quick hits. Mike and I usually talk about dumb shit for at least 15 minutes of, of that episode. Always fun. And then Mike uh, on on Friday, which I guess is tomorrow. So this is coming out. This hasn't come out yet. Uh, no. Your, your old pals, Go Big Show, Fun Time Jamboree. Yep. I'm determined to watch every second of the Go Big Show and talk about it and talk about what is going big, what is a stupid human trick, and who should be immediately signed. And, you know, last time we had a guy get shoved into a sleeping bag full of snakes. That was something on basic <laughs> television. Is, uh, is that going big? Uh, it was going big. Uh, let me pull up my notebook where I, I, I do transcribe notes okay. for the Go is, Big show. Is the, is the Go Big notebook the same as your match notebook, or are they different notebooks? No, this is just a reporter-style Phil notes book. Oh, that's disappointing. It, so I could flip through it, yeah. I thought he was so, going to show us where he'd written Go Big on the front of the notebook. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it was a tank of rattlesnakes that put seven rattlesnakes in there. The guy lost his leg because of rattlesnake bites. He's been in the hospital 12 times due to it. And he advanced on. He had one of the highest scores of the uh, of the episode. He scored a ninety one on the power tower of going big. Yeah, that sounds very stupid. Um, <laughs> it, so in the next round, is he just going to get in another sleeping bag full of rattlesnakes? I guess they're going to add like more snakes into it. I mean, unless he's going to do like full on snake charming, or like if he's going to be doing uh, just like things you see in tent revivals. But I mean, that this is the kind of content you expect is me grappling with. Like what is going big? What is a stupid human trick? What what? How many different archery things we have going on? Because I have like a an archery thing each week. And it I would me like insane. to see if if he could shoot a snake like an arrow. That would be going big to me. That's enormously big. I mean, that's a hundo if you ask me. Yeah, that's that's automatic big stat. Yeah, and, and then you're all elite. I mean, at that point, you have to be signed. Right. And, then you... Yeah, and then you're like every show should open with you shooting an arrow. That's actually a snake into. Jim Ross in, in, or something. <laughs> or or into a plunger that sets off the pyro to start each week. Yes, sure. And also Jim go. Ross in a dunk tank. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean. That's the other thing. Like there's dunk tanks on this. Uh Cody <laughs> talks about Cody talks about needing therapy about every episode once or twice. You know. It, it, so it, sure it's, Cody talks about his dad a lot. I'm betting that comes up. Yes, yeah, yes. It, it, it's the Cody needs therapy show. Much like the show and Mike. Evolve 109 is the thing I'll be seeing my therapist this week. Uh, <laughs> next. <laughs> no, everything elite 109? Evolve, no, evolve 109? Evolve 109. We got to go back and see what was on that show. <laughs> what, was on, right uh, what, what was on Evolve 109? Let me check. Let me just say this. Next week on the Patreon, uh, we're, we're still in discussions about what's going to be on the uh, the Patreon next week. So, uh, but there will be something on Monday, as always, light. And then if you join, uh, please join us in our Discord. Uh, it's almost the first of the month, so we got a whole new month of of stuff for you. So, patreon.com slash everything elite. Interestingly, the main event of Evolve 109, very AEW centric, Joey yeah. Janela with Penelope Ford defeating Darby Allen for the WWN title. Yeah. Oh, I, I think. Uh, were me and Oatgan on the podcast of that show? I think that was the one where we were like, this isn't really what we want to see from Joey Janela. Uh, and then oh, David yeah. Fix like blew it up and he's like, uh, you guys don't think he's a good worker? Like, no, it's not really what we said. And then Joey Janela blocked us. So like, this I'm is a sure big... that was this match. 
Well, I, it, it was this match. Yeah. I, yes. This is the Melrose match. This may have had... Was Adam? Was this have an Adam Cole signing on it too? Maybe I can't remember if Adam Cole made an appearance. That was, seems like that it, was probably the right era. It, it did yeah. have Saif Al Sabah on the show. It did against AR Fox. Saeed. I don't remember that match, but Just... Saif definitely was either uh, excited that I put him over on the podcast or on Twitter because uh, then he followed me and like added me. He was like, "You're awesome." I was like, "Actually, no, Saif, you're awesome." <laughs> <laughs> I love Saif. I will never. I mean. For as long as I live, I will not forget seeing Saeed Al Sabah outside of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, just hang on the corner, <laughs> hanging out. And, but probably Oatgan was like, "Hey, it's Saeed, right?" It was definitely Oatgan. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh look, Saeed Al Sabah. And I mean, this is the best part of the story. And Oatgan always reminds us of this that he was handing out uh, flyers for a show in Florida. <laughs> yes, yes, that's flyering. That's yeah, that's flyering. that's grinding to get people at your show. Is yeah. going to Madison Square Garden to hand out shows, flyers for your show and for it. <laughs> it was like a Jacksonville show too. <laughs> oh, it might, it might have been for the fake GCW. I think it was for Generation Championship Wrestling. Uh, next week on Dynamite Beach Break, we got the uh, Kenny Omega and Good Brothers team versus John Moxley, Pack, and Phoenix. That should rule. We got Penelope and Kip's wedding. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa the tag team battle royale for a title shot at Revolution, and a lumberjack match, Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. Tony Khan apparently woke up while watching the show, saw someone cheating, decided there should be some consequences. So there's not going to be any cheating during this lumberjack match. I'm really excited no. to see, uh, much like the big Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows feeding for John Silver, the big Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows feeding for Ray Fenix. That's very <laughs> exciting to me. <laughs> They don't want to wrestle, but they have to wrestle Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phoenix is not going to have any of their half-ass shit. I will say, Carl <laughs> Anderson still moves around in there very well. Looks in spry. I would call him spry uh, in the ring. Yeah, yeah. Doc Gallows wearing a onesie. Doc Gallows also, but like, in good shape. No, no, I mean, he's the suntan biker man. So, yeah, he, he just was like... Doc Gallows, I mean, like, a, you could hear him saying, I don't want to be here when this was happening, and it was owned. Like, like, yeah. It looks like a fun show, which means that we're going to be disappointed. Yes, we also found out that coming soon, we don't have a date for this, uh, the first match we know from the Women's Eliminator Tournament in a shocking announcement on the U.S. side of the bracket. So first thing we find out, there is indeed a U.S. side of the bracket and presumably a Japanese side of the bracket since the other side has a, J a Japan flag, but they didn't say that. But on the U.S. side of the bracket, Serena Deeb versus Riho. So uh, we were wrong about what's going to happen, but Riho is in the tournament. Big swerve. Um, very funny to announce this, but have no idea what the date's going to be. Yeah. Which I guess, if we give them the benefit of the doubt, it's like, oh, they have to figure out when Riho will finish the quarantine or whatever. And then, we're, you know, we're not going to promise anything until that happens. That's, you know, if we uh, are giving them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but just very funny. We're now it's a good tournament. Here's a match. We have no idea when this is going to start. Why don't you just say Riho's going to be in the tournament? Like, that's. A selling point. Yeah, just say like one of the first round matches will be Riho versus Serena Deeb. That's, that's all you have to say. That so is, we'll announce I mean, the rest of the bracket. That's basically what they did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just did, that, that just announced like, oh, Riho's going to be in this. Like, that would be cool. Like, oh, sick. I, I'm just yeah. excited that Riho gets to find new places to go to lunch. 
You know what I mean? She gets really excited about going to lunch. I mean, I feel bad for Riho. I do. I I mean, is there anything as good as Mintaiko pasta in Jacksonville, Florida? That's what we'll discover. Yeah, I'm I'm with the pepperoni nipples guy. If I could have make as much money staying in Japan, I would stay in Japan. But I I think her money maybe dried up with the whole. I mean, I guess AEW is still paying her. I don't know, but I guess her oh, yeah. startup money dried up. I mean, yeah. What a worker, by the way. What a worker going in there, becoming a champion, not having to lose the championship in a fall, not dropping a fall the entire 18 months she's in stardom. Just what a worker, Rio. She's and a really good wrestler. And basically only working like uh, preliminary matches, like nothing serious, nothing hard. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I- a lot of stuff against the 14-year-old monster, Ruaka. You know what I mean? 15-year-old monster, come on. Oak, happy birthday. Don't uh, if I don't know if uh, Nate OK still listens to the show, but if he does, he's going to be really pissed at you for getting that wrong. Okay. I apologize, Nate OK. <laughs> I'm having that a rough night. He is. Uh, you know, well, when you find <laughs> out you have pepperoni nipples, it just it fucks everything up for you. I am not commenting on that portion of this whatsoever. We're out of here. <laughs> you can't shut this show off. If you want to know more about Mike's pepperoni nipples, go to at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at a pit. It says Mike's at Fuji. He's flipping me off, folks. He's cutting the feed. He's cutting my mic. He could cut my mic, actually. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review, please. And uh, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. New stretch goal. See Mike's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> No, you will never. No, I. No, just. No. All right, for Mike, for Nate, for Nate, for Mike's nipples. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Uh, you hit it one too many times. <laughs> Drove it into the ground with the last mention. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.